Support for this podcast comes from AppCast, a leading provider of recruitment advertising technology and services. AppCast helps more than 1,500 companies find more qualified candidates using advanced programmatic technology and data-driven analytics. With AppCast, you'll effortlessly attract the right talent to your open jobs, helping you save time and money. Find out more about AppCast at appcast.io. That's appcast.io. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 383 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Talent markets are crazy, recruiting is tough, and it can be challenging to get any sort of perspective on what's going on. So how can we make sense of everything? And in a world that feels out of control, what can talent acquisition professionals actually do that will make a difference? My guest this week is Andrew Flowers, Labour economist at AppCast. Andrew is combining traditional labour market analysis with AppCast's unique proprietary data into Recruitonomics. Recruitonomics combines cutting-edge insights with real-world business applications, making Andrew's overview of market trends in this interview a must-listen for everyone. Hi, Andrew, and welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yes. My name is Andrew Flowers. I am a labor economist at AppCast. And AppCast is uh, a global leader in programmatic recruitment advertising technology. And as a labor economist, I study job market trends in the US uh, and in Europe uh, to help our clients best understand what the recruiting landscape challenges that they face, uh, what the, what those challenges are, and how best to uh, overcome them with uh, our technology, uh, but also with insights from data, both public data, but also proprietary data uh, in our database. I know that you are focusing on what you call recruitonomics. So tell us a bit about that and tell us a little bit more about your role. Yes. So recruitonomics is a, a term coined by AppCast CEO, Chris Foreman, and uh, I've really adopted it um, as our kind of lodestar, our, our guiding light and what we do at AppCast Economics. And what Recruitonomics is, is the combination of ivory tower, academic labor economics, right? So all the kind of uh, insights you would get at a think tank or a university. So that's half of it, though, uh, the labor economics. But the other piece of it is recruiting tactics. So the real boots on the ground uh, insights that come from talent acquisition leaders, uh, uh, folks who have long experience in the HR tech space. And so recruitonomics combines, in my view, uh, the best of both worlds, where you can uh, get cutting edge economic insights from data, but you also get real world business applications. Because so often I find that when I read economic research, it's dry and it's missing the so what, right? It's missing the, what do I do now? Given this context of the job market, how do we adapt? And so that's what Recruitonomics is focused on. And at AppCast, we're producing 
um, white papers, blog posts. <laughs> We're going on podcasts uh, like this uh, to to learn, but also to share our own research. And um, that's what Recruitonomics is all about. That makes perfect sense and hugely valuable for the, the people listening to, to this podcast, I'm sure. What are the key variables within that? What are the sort of the elements, the the, the levers, the things that change the picture within within the whole of that concept? Yeah, within recruitonomics, I like to divide it, uh, you know, into two very different camps. One set of variables are things we cannot control, right? So this is the traditional labor economics side of things, like the candidate demand and the candidate supply, economic growth. Uh, government policy, and so on. That's beyond the control of any one recruiter or any one company, right? And it's important to understand what market um, conditions are like and what challenges you face, but that's just half of it. And the other half of it, the recruiting tactics bit, is uh, the set of variables you can control. So think of employer brand or your apply process at your company or your sourcing and recruiting practices. And of course, the, the job ad marketing itself uh, from the job description, from uh, the programmatic uh, job distribution platforms you use, if you use programmatic, um, all these things are part of what recruiters can control given the conditions that they can't. And so Recruitonomics really marries both of those. So like the supply demand with the apply process, employer brand and things you, you can tweak. So I'm really keen to ask you about what you're seeing going on in the market at the moment, particularly as I had your CEO, Chris Foreman, on the show a few months back. And he was one of the first people to call the the challenges that, that we're having now in sort of a, various labor markets around the world. So keen to get your kind of updated thoughts on what's going on in the market. I suppose before we just dive into that, it would be good to know a little bit more about the data sources that you're using to generate the insights. Yeah, that, that's a great starting point. And in terms of data sources, I... Uh, like to first look to public or government sources to just get the lay of the land. So in the United States, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics and, and other statistical agencies like the Census Bureau. Um, in the UK, it's uh, the Office of National Statistics. Um, so in either case, uh, what we find is uh, labor markets are extremely tight. That word tight, economists like to use it, basically uh, is, is no news for recruiters. It, it it means it's really difficult to hire right now that the demand for candidates is far outstripping the supply. So let's just start with the U.S. According to uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, we find that the gap between candidate demand, which I, I approximate by job openings, um, and candidate supply is over 2 million. And it's never been that big of a gap. And so the number of job openings in the U.S. is around 11 million this summer. And that's just an historical high. But while that represents demand, the supply of potential workers you could hire, uh, one measure of that is unemployed people. And that's drifted below um, uh, 8.7 million to 8.4 million in the most recent um, uh, August numbers. And so this gap of almost 11 million job openings um, uh, less than 9 million um, unemployed people, this gap of 2 million folks um, is just a, a fundamental mismatch. And it's driving a lot of the recruiting challenges that we know talent acquisition leaders face. Uh, and that's what they just can't control. And, and that, that supply demand mismatch is driving 
a lot of trickle-down effects, such as wage growth. We find that wage growth is accelerating. Um, since the start of the pandemic in February 2020, overall wage growth is up 7-8%. But it's what's startling to me, Matt, is it's really wage growth at the uh, lower end of the spectrum. So uh, non-managers, or what I like to call rank-and-file workers, uh, these are you know folks who work in any number of industries, from uh, home health care aides in, in, in the healthcare sector or, or cashiers in the uh, retail sector. Um, these workers w- are seeing wage growth that's really pretty unprecedented in recent decades, uh, up to 8 9% compared to where it was post uh, uh, pre-pandemic, rather. And so that's the fundamental insight we're, we're, we're finding is that labor markets are extremely tight. It's difficult to hire just because of things that are beyond recruiters' control, um, and it's driving wage growth um, uh, higher and higher. Paychecks are, are rising. In terms of those things that are beyond recruiters' control, obviously one of the things that has had a lot of coverage is the the impact of various government support initiatives are, around the world, sort of particularly in the in, in the US and the and the UK. And there was a, a school of thought a few months ago that they might be keeping people out of the, the the labor market or causing some of the problem. What are you seeing in that area? Well, while it's still a little early, and we're going to get data from these fall months in uh, uh, in the months to come, the consensus among a lot of economists who study this is that these extended unemployment insurance benefits that were uh, rolled out in the U.S. through the pandemic and, and really expired um, this summer and early fall, that these extra generous benefits had at most a modest impact in holding back job seekers. So well, what do I mean by that? Um, any number of studies have looked at the uh, the U.S. states that ended these benefits early and compared them to the states that kept them through the summer. And so just so that everyone's aware, around um, early September, uh, they expired nationwide in the U.S. So we've started to get data um, uh, in sept- for September, and we're going to get it in, uh, soon for October. But the picture over the summer was when you compare the states that ended it early to the states that kept it, there really wasn't much of a difference. It kind of had to squint. Uh, the job growth uh, numbers in both sets of um, jurisdictions were pretty similar, um, even though one had ended these benefits early. And then to just put the cherry on top um, is the latest numbers in September showed that the labor force, the, the supply of potential workers in the U.S. actually declined. A lot of folks um uh, stop looking for work. And that's kind of funny, right? You would scratch your head. If you thought that these extended unemployment benefits, which expired at the start of September, that in September you would see ju- you would see a surge of, of new job seekers that were uh, you know previously just kind of uh, on the dole, so to speak. But we, we didn't see that in the data. We actually saw the opposite. We saw that um, a lot of would-be job seekers, in, in my view, um, are skittish, particularly because of COVID. Um, in the U.S. through the summer, we had, like many, many other countries, a spike of the Delta variant. And you see it in any number of variables. You see it in terms of job seeker activity on Google. Uh, just, you know, uh, people who are looking for uh, uh, job postings on the Internet, that's down as the pandemic um, kind of worsened in the summer months of July and August. So it's no surprise in September that the labor supply um, didn't rebound as we thought. So to answer your question, it seems that uh, unemployment insurance benefits that were extra generous, that they had maybe a slight modest impact. Uh, we estimate around 10 to 20% of the difference between um, uh, the world we would have been in versus what we had with the with the benefits. So I'm not going to say it, it didn't factor in. It's just that there are bigger variables out there like 
COVID and the Delta variant. Or uh, one other thing I'll mention, uh, child care. That, that's a consistent thing we've seen in surveys of job seekers or would-be job seekers that aren't looking for work, uh, that they cite child care challenges. And, and sure enough in the data, um, the female labor force participation rate has not really rebounded from where it was pr- uh, prior to the pandemic. So it's really uh, child care challenges, um, in particular for working mothers, uh, plus the concerns around the Delta variant. Those seem to be in my view, the driving force behind this lack of a rebound in the labor supply in the candidate pool, uh, not so much the the government benefits. What is this doing to the cost of recruiting? It's it's really impacting it, and so this is where we shift to um, our proprietary AppCast data. And you know, just to take a step back and give people context here, and you know, AppCast manages uh, at an annualized rate. Uh, around a billion dollars of media that we manage. And what that means is in our network, our ClickCast database, we have uh, 1.3 billion job postings that translates into over 10 billion clicks and almost 2 billion job applications um, that uh, were submitted. And so that's just the context I mentioned because you know that's our database we're drawing from. And what we find is that the cost of recruiting in many sectors is rising. So the average or the median rather, the median cost per application and the median cost per click, which are kind of two you know, benchmark uh, recruitment marketing variables that, that, that I know a lot of TA leaders and recruiters, they look at. And so the cost per application, the CPA and the cost per click CPC uh, for all jobs in aggregate have been rising through the year 2021. But what I, we found in our data is that when you look at COVID sensitive occupations, so think of um, healthcare or retail or food service, and in particular for, for gig work or, or kind of ride uh, hailing uh, companies like uh, Uber and Lyft. In these COVID sensitive occupations, there's a really strong increase in the cost of recruiting. It's just uh, seems that in, in our view, uh, there's some would be job seekers that would be interested in clicking on these job posts, on these job advertising advertisements that are reluctant to because, you know, of COVID concerns. Um, and the reason we think that is when you look at uh, non or not as sensitive COVID jobs, like in sales or in information technology or in manufacturing, where you're a little more spread out, we're not face to face with customers. Um, in these occupations, the cost of recruitment ha- have not risen as much, e- either just slightly or in some cases flat. So we're looking at the CPA, CPC trends, and we're finding that um, the cost of recruitment is going up, but what's driving that? You know, what's the so what of that? And it seems that the conversion rates on these COVID-sensitive job ads are down, right? The, 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 the number of applications you get for, say, per 100 clicks on a job posting in some of these COVID-sensitive positions, um, those conversion rates are down, and it, that's driving a higher uh, cost per application, a higher cost per click. Um, and until, you know, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic fully normalizes, and again, knock on wood, cases are declining in, in many countries um, and deaths and hospitalizations are declining from this recent Delta variant peak. But until the virus, which is the, really the virus is the boss here, the virus is the boss. And until the virus really normalizes our public health landscape, we're going to find that recruitment is going to be 
it's hard everywhere, but it's going to be particularly hard for these COVID-sensitive jobs. So th- there's no getting back to whatever normal might look like anytime soon then? <laughs> yeah, our forecast is is that in Q4 of, of 2021 um, and in the early uh, part of 2022, that the labor market is going to continue to experience this supply-demand imbalance um, and, and wage growth is going to continue to accelerate uh, there are, you know, uh, risk factors to this outlook for sure in terms of um, government policy. So, for example, we all know that inflation is rising in, in much of uh, the U.S. and Europe. And so um, interest rates could change to try to stop that rise of inflation. And that could affect the job market. Uh, so rising interest rates could change this whole supply-demand mismatch. But just to put that risk factor aside, our forecast, to your point, uh, Matt, is that this really challenging recruiting environment isn't going away anytime soon. We don't see the labor market uh, normalizing and uh, the three to five million folks in the U.S. who are uh, out of the labor force compared to where we were prior to COVID in early 2020, those folks are going to trickle back, back into looking for work, but not all at once. It's not going to be an avalanche at once. And so that's going to make recruiting uh, a challenge in, in the next few quarters. Talent acquisition is a huge challenge at the moment. What What are you seeing that is uh, effective? What What would your advice be to to recruiters in terms of de- dealing with uh, the the markets that we're seeing at the moment? Yeah, it, it it's it's this is where recruitonomics really kind of kicks in and we pivot. So, given that context of of a a, a tight labor market, uh, challenging recruiting for the next few quarters. Uh, that picture is basically key, clear, right? High demand for workers, low supply. So in this environment, we recommend to recruiters uh, that focus on the things you can control, even if they're small tweaks. So call it small ball. But responding to this environment, uh, I can list a, a number of things. So I'll, I'll mention uh, three or four to start. Um, uh, two things that uh, cost money, <laughs> so that, that are part of uh, any HR or, or TA leader's budget are the, the, the wages you offer hires and the amount you spend in terms of bids on job boards or your just your job advertising budget period. So for both of those two kind of um, budget driver items, we recommend to stay competitive that number one, you benchmark your wages. Um, so take stock at a higher frequency. Sometimes I talk to HR leaders who say, you know, we benchmark our wages traditionally at an annual uh, basis. We'll, we'll take stock of different roles. Well, Given how fast wages have risen, uh, we recommend really benchmarking wages at a kind of quarterly basis to, to stay competitive. So that's number one in terms of, you know, as your budget allows, uh, uh, increased pay to attract talent. The second, as your budget allows point is when it comes to job advertisements, right? So there's a strong correlation between when when uh, you raise your bids on a job board and your placement for potential uh uh, applicants is higher, is more, is more salient. So th- those are two recommendations we have: benchmarking wages and, and bidding up your job advertisements. But of course, that's not costless, right? That comes with actual um, uh, uh, trade-offs. Now, a few other recommendations we give to recruiters that, uh, while not exactly costless, aren't huge budget uh, drivers. And so um, the two I'll mention are the apply process. And making it more efficient and skinny is what I like to call it, a skinny apply flow funnel, uh, number one. And number two, uh, your titles, the the titles you use in your job descriptions, and also just writing a good job description itself. So let me take those recommendations one at a time. 
Um, what we find is that uh, job seekers are impatient, <laughs> and, and maybe you know, maybe we all are. Maybe I was too when I was uh, applying for, for for jobs. We find that the longer the job application takes, uh, it's almost a linear decline in. Uh, your conversion rate, the, the, the amount of applications you get for a given number of clicks. So for example, if it's under five minutes, if your apply flow is what I call skinny, if it's efficient, you only take the information you absolutely need from your applicant uh, and you can follow up with other things later. You can do a background check later, et cetera. You don't ask for the resume to be uploaded as well as the work experience to be entered manually. For example, um, when you have a, a uh, an apply flow below under five minutes, you have a, a high conversion rate over over twelve percent. Our research finds, but the longer that gets, say it's a fifteen minute kind of laborious, clunky uh, application process. Well, your conversion rate is just going to decline. You're going to get fewer applicants, and so if you're already paying uh, as many as many recruiters do, when you already pay per click on a job board, you're paying for that click. You know that job board is taking your money, is taking your budget. Then if your application process isn't efficient, you're just losing. You're losing potential applicants. So we help both at AppCast, but also just as a general recommendation, we help kind of uh, encourage employers and, and, and encourage recruiters to have a skinny apply process. And then the second point of that is um, is is having the job description and, the, and in particular the job title be targeted and be um, uh, focused on uh, attracting the talent pool you're looking for. So the, starting with the job title, uh, shorter is better. So we want to use... Uh, job titles that um, are the go-to search terms for most job seekers. When you go to a, a job board, you don't enter in three to five to seven words for a lengthy job title. Job seekers typically enter just a few words. And so having a short, um, relevant job title is key, both in terms of your, your performance on job boards, in terms of search engines, um, but it's also key in terms of matching what the job seeker is looking for. And then job descriptions, you know, we can, that's a whole other conversation, but a lot of AppCast research has found, as, as have other um, uh, outlets who, who study this, that writing job descriptions with uh, inclusion in mind. So, for example, not using gendered language, right, to turn off uh, uh, female applicants, uh, to use kind of male-dominant language in the job description is a huge um, negative in terms of conversion rates, in terms of attracting applicants. That's just one example of writing job descriptions that are inclusive um, and that are engaging for job seekers. So those are the kind of key recommendations we add. And then the final one I'll mention is just, um, you know, how you do your recruitment spend period. Uh, we see a, just a technological shift happening towards programmatic job advertising. Now, yes, this is this is definitely where, you know, AppCast businesses business is, I'm not going to ignore that, but, you know, the days of manually producing job ads uh, and, and choosing based upon um, your own whim where to where to put them in terms of uh, what which job board and at what bid, we find that, that those days are, are kind of fading out and that a programmatic approach, which says, okay, let's look at 10,000 plus job boards across the entire internet, right? Let's look at, you know, algorithms and data to uh, give us uh, recommendations on what we bid for, for for job advertisements. That whole programmatic approach, whether you use AppCast or, or, or any other provider, that seems to be the uh, the wave of the future. And so those are our, our kind of four recommendations. You know, raise your wages when you can, raise your bids, when, uh, bids on job boards when you can, um, and then focus on a, a succinct job title and, a, and an inclusive job description um, focus on a efficient apply process that's not too uh, burdensome, 
And then finally, you know, use pro programmatic tools to, to just be powered by data and algorithms as you distribute your jobs. As a final question, I normally ask about the future, but sort of mindful about what we've already talked about. I'm going to ask that question to you in a slightly different way. What are the long-term trends that you're seeing that may be coming out of the pandemic that maybe have been there already? What are the long-term trends that talent acquisition professionals should be keeping an eye on over the coming months and years? It's a great question, man. And I, I thought about this a lot. It comes up in... Uh, my conversations with TA leaders and recruiters. And, and so there's three big picture trends that are not just, you know, over the next year, but over the next five, 10, 20 years that I think of. There are demographic trends, technological trends, and political trends happening. And they all impact the job market and, and recruiting in big ways. So the first one, demographics, this is huge. Um, in terms of the labor supply over the long run, uh, you have to look at population growth. And in particular, the growth of the labor force of working age, right? So the 25 to 54 year old uh, uh, cohort uh, of potential workers, that th this is what economists call, you know, um, prime age employment. And in the US for just one example, uh, in the year 2020, that prime age employment, that labor force growth went negative. It, it actually declined for the first time ever. And so this is a big factor in the long run for recruiting. And we see it even, it's even more profound in Europe and uh, in, in Italy and, um, and in Japan that the uh, demographics in uh, our economies are not favorable to recruiting in the long run because supply is, is shrinking. You know, uh, newer generations are having fewer kids. Fertility rates are declining. Uh, immigration, particularly in, in the wake of um, COVID, has been restricted in a lot of uh, European and, and U.S. economies. So, Demographics is going to drive labor supply down uh, unless we do something about it. And uh, again, this is where a lot of uh, political points, which I'll get to in a minute, come in uh, around child care and, and supporting labor force growth. So that's the first big picture trend. The second one is technological. And I don't need to tell anyone this. This is obvious, but how it shakes out is unclear. And, and it's really a number of things you can point to. Uh, but let's start with remote work, right? We, we were forced across the world to uh, do a forced experiment with remote work. Now, I think um, initial um, readings are that it was a success. Like uh, the, the share of people who work remotely for at least a few days a week in the U.S. is down from where it was, you know, at the peak of the pandemic last spring. But it's multiples higher uh, than what it was pre-pandemic. Previously, it was three or four percent of the of the labor force would work from home. Now on a given week, it's 13 to 15%. So it, it's definitely shifted how we work, just the rise of Zoom and Teams and Google Meet, all these all these tools for remote work is gonna change how people uh, do work and where they do it. Um, that's a huge impact. And another side of this te technological shift is, is programmatic, right? D driving um, uh, your job advertisements with data and technology uh, is changing how job seekers look for work and, and how recruiters hire. So that's a, a, a big picture trend that's it's hard to forecast. I, I don't want to lie to you, Matt, and say I have a crystal ball and I can tell you how technology is going to impact uh, recruiting, but it's definitely changing it in dramatic ways. And then the third and final point uh, that is just unavoidable, you know, even in the business world, um, we have to pay attention to politics. And I think in uh, the U.S. in particular, but also in some European uh, capitals, you're seeing a political shift after a few decades um, where median wages in many wealthy countries were stagnant and the, the labor share of national income was maybe declining. You're seeing a kind of 
rebound a boomerang effect in the uh, in the opposite direction back towards empowering workers. And uh, this is on any number of fronts, whether it's raising minimum wages or uh, you know uh, competition policy t- towards breaking up monopolies uh, or just greater social welfare benefits in the U.S., which is, is being debated right now around child tax credits or, you know, universal child care, which uh, doesn't exist in the U.S. So these these political um, shifts that are happening that are directed at the labor market and frankly, just at, on a bipartisan basis in the U.S. at least, uh, directed towards a full employment economy. So whether it's the current a presidential administration of President Joe Biden or previously with uh, President Donald Trump, both appointed uh, Federal Reserve chairs or both support a Federal Reserve policy that drives in interest rates down, that runs the economy hot, and that creates this tight labor market. I think that's like the, the one kind of uh, last political consensus issue is that uh, we should we should have really strong economies and, and labor markets that make it frankly, challenging for recruiters. And I, I just don't see that political shift going away anytime soon. And that's just something recruiters should start to adapt to, that workers are, are feeling empowered and, and government policy is backing them up. Andrew, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Andrew Flowers. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.